0: hi i'm the ish girl and you're listening to episode 105 of in the middle of it the podcast where parents and teachers can find ideas strategies and resources for connecting with teens hey there i am amy also known as the ish girl and i am so excited that you guys are with me today so if you've been hanging out with me for a while You know what it means when I call myself ish and why I call myself the ish girl. But if you're new, I just wanted to um, welcome you into the fold, first of all, and then tell you my definition of what it means to be an ish girl. And for me, it's one who has humorous grace with herself when messing up or flaking out again. And there is a reason that I use that description, and that is because I mess up or flake out on a regular basis, like quite often. And it's not because I just kind of throw my arms up at the air and and, and just say, well, this is just who I am. This is what it's like. It's actually kind of the opposite of that because my struggle is in not beating up on myself when I do make those mistakes and, and on those many occasions when I do mess up to forgive myself for that. And whether I've lost my phone or my keys for the millionth time, or if I set the kitchen on fire because I forgot I was boiling a, a chicken, and that's a true story, friends, or whether... <laughs> I made a banner for my daughter for her birthday and it said happy birthday without the H yeah thank you I am college educated but hello spelling. Anyway, and so she had this banner that said happy birthday and I didn't even notice it until we started taking pictures at the end of the party and one of the other moms like fell on the floor laughing because she too is an ish girl and knows what it means so. Anyway, all that to say, I make tons of mistakes and I often have to be really intentional and deliberate about not agonizing and anguishing over them, right? And so it's been my journey to really take myself less seriously and to really be able to laugh at myself and have that gracious sense of humor. Now, obviously, there are times when it's easier to do that than others because I would say the harder times are the ones when my mistakes and my actions and missteps affect other people, especially the people that I love, like my husband, Philip, or my kids, Patrick and Phoebe. So those ish moments are painful and much harder for me to bounce back from, but I'm still trying because I feel like with my teens, especially if I can model that kind of grace with myself and that kind of forgiveness that helps them too. And I've embraced my ishness, but I've also learned that there are ways to prevent some of that chaos and protect myself and my loved ones from the consequences of that chaos, right? And I especially learned that during my years in the classroom, because during my first year of teaching, I vividly remember I struggled with a lot of chaos. I would say it was very overwhelming for me. And in the midst of it, as I was experiencing the chaos that I was feeling, it was very difficult for me as a new teacher to pinpoint exactly what was causing all of that chaos was it classroom management was it planning the lessons was it getting up to speed on the standards and the big benchmarks in the curriculum that i was teaching was it dealing with the surprising amount of clerical and administrative type paperwork and things that i was responsible for and that chaos is what we're going to talk about today because it relates directly to the things that I shared with you in the last episode of in the middle of it those top three things that cause teacher stress and those three things were um, performance assessment time management and then what I talked about last week which was classroom behavior now This week we're going to talk about time management and I feel like it's a super broad term and so I want to break it down for us a little bit today. So if you two are struggling with chaos in your classroom and you don't know what kind of thread to start unraveling first, this episode is for you. Now I'm focusing on managing our time because it is the one resource that cannot be replenished. And if you're like me, it may perpetually seem like you don't have enough of it. So how can we manage our time so that we can control some of that chaos in our classroom and even in our lives? And I think the answer to that is simple, but certainly not easy at all, because you can implement systems and procedures consistently, and that will cut down on your chaos tremendously. Now, I'm going to go, uh, I'm, let's dive a little further into that right now, because I think the first question we have to ask is, where does that classroom chaos come from? Where does it originate? And I would say, first off, that teachers do need to be exceptionally organized because it I, there's, there are just so many moving pieces and parts, right? But the truth of it is, is that teachers receive little training in in that kind of organization and Um, flow and management, and I I know that there is definitely a disconnect between what education students and universities are learning, and even what they're learning um, within their first job experiences. Those expectations that administrators have for those new teachers can be really, I feel like, unrealistic, right? Because there's this business piece to teaching, and it's this piece that's really not taught well. So teachers show up in their classroom like I did. And I can remember thinking things like, How am I going to figure this all out on my own? And feeling very reluctant to ask questions because there seemed to be a, a mentality of this figure it out yourself thing. And and when you're a new teacher and you're looking at your administration and they're expecting you to know this stuff, it is very hard to make yourself vulnerable. And sometimes it's not smart to make yourself vulnerable in certain situations because you really feel like you have to act like you know what you're doing and not knowing what you're doing can have really negative consequences on you professionally. So, so there's this whole culture of teachers, not newer teachers, not really knowing the best way to go about doing things and organizing things and setting things up. And so it's, it sets up this mentality of, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lacking those skills. I'm watching that veteran teacher over there. And I'm listening to my administrator who expects me to have all these things done. And I don't, so I'm just lacking those skills right? Which the truth is, is that they just haven't acquired those skills yet. And that leads to the second reason that, or second origin of this classroom chaos, and that would be having a fixed mindset. Because organizational skills and systems, they can be learned. And you can see that it's very evident in how teachers organize and streamline their workflows at the longer and longer that they've been teaching not knowing those skills as a new teacher can be super stressful and if you if you listen to the last episode of in the middle of it that is what we talked about is how teacher stress can affect their uh, the behavior of students in the classroom and just the whole culture and dynamic there and student performance and all the things so go back and listen to that if you haven't because that type, this time management piece is part of that because if your if your classroom is in chaos, you will be stressed, and so will your student. So not knowing those skills creates stress. And also, I would say learning the skills really does require a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset of like I was saying earlier about my ish girl stuff, that that idea that, well, this is just how I am. It's just how it is. It's how it's always gonna be. And there's a little bit of hopelessness in that. So having a growth mindset is really helpful. And, and I would say too, I would add, there's some limiting beliefs that really come into play here with things like, if you have these statements going through your head, then they're a red flag because they are limiting beliefs. And it might be things like, I should already know how to do this. Or I'm just too busy, I don't have time to get organized. Or as long as the students are learning, my systems don't really matter. But the thing is that your success in the classroom and your students' success in the classroom really hinges on developing systems. Um, And we're going to talk about why here in a second, but first I want to make sure that you guys understand what I'm referring to when I say systems, because I would say that systems are the thought through procedures for how you do things. So in your classroom, it might be um, your thought through procedures for how you handle grading, for how you handle communication with parents, for how you uh, respond to maybe administrator requests of you or meetings with your team, whether it's your, your subject area team, or if you're assigned to a team of different teachers who have the same group of students. So um, it's your system of how, how do your kids turn in homework? How are you going to pass out papers? Like you can get as granular as you want for the kinds of routines and things that you set up For your students and for yourself, for your own organizations. When, when do you do your planning? When do you do your grading? Like all of those pieces of things. So, so that those would be your systems, just your standard operating procedures. Now for teachers, I feel like our knee jerk impulse is to focus on the, for the very first thing to to focus solely on curriculum and planning first because it's what we know, right? Like it's, it's what we went to school to study and it's, it's really what's emphasized with our administration and especially because of standards-based learning and testing and all those things, it's what's drilled into us. However, learning will not happen as efficiently, as quickly, or perhaps even at all, I would even venture to say, I'm gonna go out on a limb there if you're not organized. Why? Because organization, clear expectations, schedules, and boundaries create predictability and safety for your students. And that makes it so much easier for them to focus on learning. Because if students feel your chaos, they're gonna have difficulty focusing and learning. Now, you might be thinking, as I once did, that As long as the students are learning and remember this was a limiting belief um, your organization doesn't matter but i would argue if there's no organization it's going to be very difficult for you as the educator to answer questions like how are you sure that they're learning are they learning to their full potential and can what they're learning be improved through your organization can you make it as easy as possible for them to be successful with the way that you're organized. And that leads to the next question, which is Can a lack of organization and systems impact the performance and well being of students? But I'm actually going to take that question and I'm going to flip this on you because. Has someone else's lack of organization in systems ever impacted your well-being and your performance? I'm super curious about that because I know as teachers and professionals, you've gone through a tremendous amount of training, whether it's as a university student or through the professional development that you've gone through once you've been in the classroom. So when you've gone to those classes and those trainings, I want you to think about the environments that you were in how did you respond when the presenter or the professor was organized or disorganized? Maybe they were setting up their technology at the last minute and running into problems that delayed the start. Maybe they couldn't find the notes that they wanted to use in the stack on the podium. I vividly remember a conference that I went to where there was one speaker for the whole weekend. And pretty much the whole time, the whole weekend, I think there were four sessions where she talked, she was using props and different things. And they were props that I think she thought she brought with her, but she was having trouble finding them and locating them. And she was all scattered and all over the place. She was distracted. She was flustered. And eventually she launched into this discussion and explanation about how she just returned from a week-long cruise and hadn't really looked at her notes since before she left and going on and on about it. And My first response, and I was with a group of of people, and we talked about it later. My first response was, wow, sorry to interrupt your vacation. And I just felt really, well, let me just say this. It made me feel very removed from her, and she lost me. When she said that, she totally lost me. And from that point on, I was a little bit cynical and suspicious of everything she shared, because clearly... She didn't value us as an audience. She didn't value me as part of the audience enough to respect our time by being prepared. And, and the way she handled it, I felt like set up this energy and this mistrust that the more I thought about it and the more I flipped it on myself and thought about, wow, what implications does this have for me with my own students? I have to admit, I kind of felt like stung, like, ouch, Yeah, because just like like me, my students might conclude that I don't value them if I'm chaotic. They're not going to be motivated to do their best if they sense that I'm not giving the attention to all the facets of their experience in my classroom. And I might be working super hard. You might be working super hard. But what you're going to be communicating and what they might get from your chaos is that you don't value them because you're allowing that to reign in your classroom. And none of that even touches the fact that, again, chaos can very often inspire mistrust and at the very least, uneasiness. Now, the caveat to all this, of course, is that we all have bad days, right? We all have bad days when we're disorganized and things go wrong and and, and all of that. But the question to ask yourself is this, Is it characteristic of me? Is it characteristic of me to be chaotic and disorganized? Or is it kind of the one-off, like the the occasional bad day? So so that would be kind of your baseline. What is characteristic? Now, on the flip side of all this, on the flip side of systems and procedures, when you do have them and you've implemented them, then the very opposite is true. So when your systems and procedures are laid out, you've taught them to the kids, they know what to expect, then you're building trust with your students. And as you build trust, you can build relationships and you can really foster connection, the kind of connection that I have, that I advocate here on in the middle of it, because I feel like every teen needs that kind of connection in order to grow into the kind of adult that's the best version of themselves. So I would say before you do anything else in your classroom, you really wanna build those relationships and build community. And the very best way to do that is to foster routine and predictability for your students. You really wanna teach them your systems and invite them into the procedures so that you know what to expect, they know what to expect, And you can all just kind of relax the part of your brain that is constantly on the alert for whatever it is that you're going to do next. That kind of unease of, I don't know what's coming next. I kind of have to be ready for anything. When you know what's coming next, then you can relax and it makes learning so much easier because you have a whole piece of your brain that is accessible and available that you don't when you're in that kind of anxious state of not knowing what's coming next. So your brain energy is able to just focus completely on learning. So the structure that you're giving them is actually providing them a freedom to lean in to, to the learning, to the relationship with you and to relationship with each other. And it really positions them again, to learn much more effectively. And in a paradoxical way, I I find that structure gives them the freedom to be creative as well. So when you have structures set up in your classroom, because again, that part of their brain that's focused and anxious about not knowing what's coming next, once that is alleviated, that stress, that anxiety is alleviated, then it can open them up to creativity and My favorite author, Madeline Lingle, I feel like had the best analogy for this. And, and this concept is one that she talks about, I think in one of her nonfiction books, and it may be in one of her fiction books as well, if I'm remembering right. Anyway, she talked about the freedom that comes from having structure in terms of a haiku. Now, I had to look this up. You may know it right off the top of your head, but just in case you don't, a haiku is a very structured poem. It it is made up of three lines with 17 syllables total, and it's written in a five, seven, five syllable count. But even though that's a very defined structure, so you can only have three lines, you can only have 17 syllables, and they have to be in a certain rhythm and order per line, even though there's that structure there, There's so much creativity and freedom within that structure. You can put anything in that haiku. And for every person out there, there's gonna be a different one, right? So it's it's really a vehicle that helps you express your individuality. And I would say the same thing for our classroom systems. It frees up our students to help them be able to share the creativity and to connect with each other and connect with you so it's super important. So by providing that structure in those systems, we're also modeling organizational skills for our teens, which is very important in middle school. I really feel like that's the those are the transition years where they're really starting to form and create their patterns and their habits and the way that they um, keep track of their agenda and their binders and and all of those specifics and how they take notes. So I find it to be so important to be modeling that well for our middle school students, because we expect them to be organized. We want them to be organized as their teachers, because we've all had those students who, I don't know about you guys, but I can remember having parent conferences where the student and the parent would come in and the student has this notebook that's like, you know, bursting at the seams And all the homework that they're missing is stuffed in there somewhere, but they just haven't turned it in because they're so disorganized. Right? So really modeling for them, teaching them, helping them to find their own systems as well. And, and being an example of what that looks like is super important. We're really mentoring them when we model that kind of organization and teens need us, the adults in their lives to be the mentors. Now, If chaos is something that you're struggling with, or if you want to become a better mentor for your students, then I would love for you guys to join me with the Meaningful Mentor Workshop that I will be having very soon. I'm continuing to work on it right now. If you are interested in that, I would love for you to go to my show notes for this episode at theishgirl.com forward slash EP 105, or you can just go straight to where you can sign up for that waitlist, which is at theishgirl.com forward slash workshop waitlist. Okay. So, so head to that. And in the meantime, you can join my weekly email list for more information about the kinds of things that we're talking about today, like chaos in your classroom and creating systems and what it looks like to really show up well for your students as a mentor and and all the things so you can in the meantime join my that weekly email list and I just have to tell you I share things there that I do not share anywhere else because the people that are on that list are my people, right? And I feel safe to be vulnerable enough with them to share more personal stories and information and ish moments and all the things. So thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Don't forget to sign up for that workshop wait list and be sure to join me again next week when I'm gonna be talking about student engagement and when it is lacking. All right, from an ish girl who is counting days until my college freshman will be home for Thanksgiving. I am so grateful to be in the middle of it together.